You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, I am excited for this conversation. As joining me right now is none other than the Irish Dragon himself, Mr. Paul Felder, who is on to Fight Island to to call some fights. Paul, welcome. How are you? The hair looks amazing. Got that fresh trim, I see. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, finally got a, a little trim, uh, much needed. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm excited to go to Fight Island, Abu Dhabi. I leave uh, Sunday to go to Vegas, quarantine, get tested, then fly to Abu Dhabi and do the same thing for 48 hours and then finally get to walk about a little bit freely. It's all about the journey, right? Yeah, I'll say so in this case. <laughs> yeah. So you are obviously a man who wears a lot of different hats. You've got to call some empty arena fights over the last couple of months. What have you sort of made of the experience of watching these fights and these events from that perspective? I, I think it really showcases uh, th- these fighters and, and their martial arts, right? Because the craziness of the crowd is kind of taken away and they get to work a little more, right? Because nobody's booing. There's no nonsense. So I think it really, as as far as a spectator sport from, uh, you know, the, the audience at home, I think it's even that much better. You hear these shots much more. You hear the corners during the fight. It's much more of an interactive experience for, for the people at home watching it. Does it has anything changed for you from like a broadcasting perspective? Like obviously with with a large crowd with a large crowd behind you and they're all screaming and rant and raving. I don't even know if you can really hear that with the headsets on. But has has your approach had to change at all? Yeah. So when there's a crowd there, obviously, especially for like a you know big main events, big championship fights, we can hear that. Like through the headphone, you know, through the headset, we can we can hear that craziness. But um, yeah, we've had to adjust. Where I'm I'm afraid to say certain things. Uh, you know, I don't want to compromise the other fighter who's in a position if I say something and it benefits the guy who's in a winning position or, or vice versa. I don't want to help a guy escape or anything like that. So if I'm going to say something real technical towards the end of the last show that I called, I, I tried to like whisper it almost into my microphone as opposed to uh, screaming. You know, I feel like we're getting listened to a lot more uh, under these circumstances. You, you do such a great job with, with the color work and giving your insights on everything going on from a, from a fighter's perspective. But one aspect of your color work that I've really enjoyed over the last several months is, you know, seeing you on the Contender Series, calling those fights, you know, from a color commentator perspective. Those events are going to be kicking off next month. Will you be taking part in the Contender Series at all once that gets back up and running? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I forget what my schedule is exactly, but I'm, I think I'm just going back and forth uh, with Bisbing, I think we're sharing pretty much the the brunt of the load for this one. Uh, so I get home from Fight Island for a, maybe maybe a week, maybe two weeks. I'm not really sure, but there's some stretches out there in August where I'll be doing a contender series on Tuesday, an event on Saturday, and then the following Tuesday I'll be doing contender series again. So it'd be crazy. Wow. A lot of work for you. So, you know, you're going to be part of the Fight Island experience. First off, I have to know, what did you think of, I guess, the build to the announcement and seeing everyone's imagination run wild with the whole thing and then ultimately finding out it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, a place that that you're pretty familiar with? Yeah, I think uh, I think everybody had just visions of these tropical beaches and, you know, the the, the octagon on the sand and, uh, you know, tiki torches and things like that. And it's just it's not realistic, right? They had to find a place that was able to facilitate this. So I, I always kind of had a hunch that it was going to be over in Abu Dhabi or somewhere over um, in the UAE. So uh, I expected that. And, and, you know, it's a little hotter than 
I would like. I fought there in September of last year, and man, <laughs> it's stifling, bro. It 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 is like next level wet blanket, steamy boiling water misted in your face hot. What's it like in like the early morning hours? I don't know if you were actually up and walked around at like three, four in the morning when these fights are going to start. But is do you know if there's any kind of a like a big difference in in temperature? I guarantee it'll still be in the nineties at, at four in the morning because um, I was cutting weight. I think at one one in the morning, two in the morning maybe uh, for my Edson Barboza fight, and we were out on the balcony doing like the the mummy wraps and things like that after the bath and it it was still had to be 95 degrees 96 degrees and that was it that was it cool wow which events are you going to be a part of or are you calling all of them all four look at you the grand slam yeah man uh originally it was two and then they needed me and uh i i agreed you know this is one of those situations where this is maybe never going to happen again hopefully Hopefully this doesn't ever have to happen again, right? Hopefully eventually we get back to visiting the world and bringing fights all over the place. But as far as right now, it was something that uh, I, I told my producer right away as soon as they announced this Fight Island thing. I, was, I don't know where that's at, but I want to be a part of that. Before we get into the cards and some of the big fights coming up, we just witnessed a huge fight at the UFC Apex. Two guys at 155. One of them you faced in your last fight, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. And a lot of people... We're watching you react to that fight on Twitter. I think you came out of retirement like four different times during those five rounds. And I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating, but when you watch a fight like that between two warriors in your division, like what's going through your mind as you're watching it all? Man, you know, I got to be honest. The, the, I'd say second round, I was saying to, to my girlfriend and some friends around, I was like, you know what? This, this excites me to want to fight again, but it also makes me think about the hospital stay that both of those gentlemen are going to be going through and uh, the pain that they're going to be feeling for the next week or so. Um, so I was having flashbacks as well as uh, just pumped up, man. That fight uh, was, was everything people wanted and more. Dan Hooker brings it every time he steps in there, man. That guy's an absolute warrior. And Dustin showed why he is where he is and why he was, you know, a champion and He's probably going to get a ch chance at that again and if he wins another one. He's two of the best guys out there, man. And these are the guys that I want to compete against. You know, if I'm coming back, win or lose, I, it, it, that's who I want to share the octagon with is, is guys like that. And work calling those fights. I mean, I wish I was a part of that. Even though they're in my division, I wish I was there to uh, to call that fight. I would have been jumping out of my skin. What have you made of the, because you were an integral part of this fight without even really knowing it. I didn't know it until probably the day before. The Paul Felder curse has been floating around 155 for a while. Like, if, if a fighter picks up a win over you, they lose the very next fight. That's crazy. Did you even know that? I had no idea. Um, I'm going to forget this guy's name again. I, I feel so bad. He'll, he'll come at me on Twitter. But I, uh, this, this, this page posted it, tagged me in it. I responded. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I retweeted it. Uh, then the media started getting a hold of it. Then ESPN was running with it by the, by fight night. And I was like, Holy crap. You know, this was just a funny little stat. And I think it's obviously all just coincidence. You know, I don't think I take a piece of these guys or any of this craziness. The only thing I hope it helps out with is hopefully guys will fight a little less hard against me. Maybe, uh, you know, get that loss then, and then they can win their next fight. So there you go. Um, if you decide to come back, you've, you've earned yourself some exciting fights, some big spots, some five rounders, pay-per-view co-main events, et cetera. 
And, and I feel like when we look at your social media these days, some posts are like, hell yeah, he's back. And then others were seeing, you know, some of your gnarly injuries. And of course you're a dad, which I can attest to. So, you know, maybe he's not coming back. So I might as well just ask you, are we coming back? Like, are, are we at least standing up from the bench, taking off the nylon sweats and possibly checking back into the game? Yeah, I'm still training, uh, all day. You know, I, I, I trained this morning with the team and, uh, you know, my teammate, Sean Brady is, uh, getting ready to fight in August. Uh, I, I, my ears are open, you know, I'm waiting for Sean eventually to come back at us. You know, he's been coming at us with events for this summer. I had agreed to fight Al, uh, in June and that fell through. It didn't work out. I think Al had a, something with his knee had to get worked on. Then they wanted me to fight him again in August. And at that point, my mind wasn't in it. It has nothing against Al. You know, I'm sure he'll, you know, he's not going to take kindly to me turning it down. But I, I just want to wait. I want to wait. I want to get through the summer. I want things to slow down uh, with this whole COVID-19 stuff. And, and yeah, then we'll, we'll see what's out there. You know, uh, I got knocked down out of the rank, out of the top six there to number seven for with, I think, a guy that took my spot. I'd. I may or may not have knocked him out a while ago, but you know, that makes sense. So, well, right now you're setting traps for, for Sean Brady and these grappling exchanges in the gym. So, you know, last thing on this, that we'll talk some fights, true or false sometime in 2020, Paul Felder fights in the UFC. It's uh, still maybe man, still maybe, uh, but more likely than not, I'll give you that. More likely than not, I want to fight. I just want to 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 be at the right time. And you know, if I get passed up and passed by, that's fine too. You know, I don't want to hold these guys back from getting big fights. And we'll see. We'll see how Fight Island goes and things like that. But I'm not afraid to to retire from this sport. I'm not afraid to walk away. It was like my post today. You know, I'm not. Uh, I don't do martial arts just because I fight in the UFC. I do them because it's, that's been part of my lifestyle since I was a little boy and uh, it always will be. And there's just a lot of other stuff I want to do with my life. And kind of like what Dustin Poirier said in one of his interviews that I just saw where he doesn't want to do this to the point where it kills him and not necessarily literally, but you know, where it can just be so damaging that you may never come back from it. I'm 36. So we'll see. You're a young buck, Paul. So I mean, whatever you decide to do, I, I think we all support you. But uh, let's talk some Fight Island. It all begins July 11th, UFC 251. What a way to kick off this this slate here because we got three title fights, a fascinating card from top to bottom. By I spoke to John Anik this week, and I asked him this question. So I want to kind of see if you're on the same page with your broadcast colleague. Of these three title fights, and they all have great storylines attached to them, which one fascinates you the most from a fan perspective and from a fighter perspective? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I, I would say the most interesting one has got to be Piotr Jan and, and, and Jose Aldo, right? I mean, this guy wasn't getting the wins. It wasn't even, he didn't even get a, a win in his, uh, his Bantamweight debut, but the bosses loved what they saw. He's a former champion. He's always a draw and he gets the opportunity. And this kid, Jan is a freak, man. I was there, I believe in Russia when he made his debut and, and researching this kid and and speaking to him he was so composed and confident in himself day one that i knew that this kid was going to be special and then he's gone on and does done the things he's done so i think that one's the most interesting matchup and then second i would say you know 
anytime you have Gilbert Burns, who's just now an absolute savage at 170 pounds and gets his title shot against a teammate. And now he's trained, you know, Usman's training with Gaethje. There's a lot of awesome stuff going on there, too. Yeah, it's interesting. You and John are not on the same page. He thought it was the fight you didn't mention, which is hilarious. But you mentioned you mentioned Gilbert Burns because what a story he's become. And and I told John this, and I and it, I don't know why this fight keeps sticking in my head. But in August of last year, he's fighting Alexei Konchenko on an undercard, and then like these months later, he jumps up to 170, stays active, jumped on some opportunities, got some big wins, and now he's about to challenge Kamara Usman for the welterweight title on a pay per view main event. Like what an incredible journey it has been for. Jorinho getting ready to fight someone like you said that he's very familiar with a guy who's been almost untouchable in the UFC what are your thoughts on this 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 championship headliner to kick off Fight Island I think it's so fascinating right because you know we've had guys fight for titles and and plenty of fights in the UFC where guys were teammates or they had trained together been on the mats together but these guys have shared blood sweat and tears cornered each other friends with each other you know have been in the same room for years with each other now um there's sparring highlights of these guys going at it out there on youtube uh black back when they were the black zillions uh at the other gym before henry hoof moved over and took over this spot so the battles that these guys have had on the mat and now they get to do a five rounds fight island uh, main event championship fight that, that this is why ufc and mma is so great these stories i mean you can't write this stuff, right? You couldn't make that up. People wouldn't believe this stuff. And uh, it's happening. I can't wait for that fight. It's really fascinating. And, you know, even though they're not training together, the familiarity that Gilbert Burns is going to have with Camaro is a huge story. And, you know, they can downplay it all they want. But Camaro is going to face somebody that has been in, like you said, in the room with him, training with him in all these different ways. That's what makes this fight really interesting, you know, with the skill sets on top of it. But before that, we got the featherweight title fight. We got Volkanovski defending against the man he dethroned, Max Holloway. And most people I've talked to or, or seen comment on social media, it seems it's pretty commonplace. You know, all respect to Max, one of the best 45ers of all time, but I don't see this rematch going any differently. Like, what do you think? Like, are they crazy or do you think this one looks a little bit different this time around? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I think it looks different. I think uh, I think anytime Max gets a chance to reevaluate something, go back and look at the footage, look at the tape, see what he did wrong. You know, he, it was a close fight. It was a really good fight. Um, I was in the audience that night. And, and, you know, from the outside, it was pretty close. The guys around me were all uh, Volkanovski uh, teammates and supporters. So obviously I was kind of sucked into that. And, <laughs> you know, m I thought it was for sure Volkanovski's win that night. Uh, but uh I might have had a different opinion on it if I was watching it without them. It was it was close. Max, you know, when you watch the highlights, his hands were still there. He still connects with these flurry of punches. And I think he'll go back and fix things. I, I'm not saying that uh, Volkanovski's not going to retain the title, but I think it would be a much different, more competitive fight uh, from Max. I think he knows the things that he's got to fix, and he's a smart, intelligent guy, and, and uh, he knows how to problem solve in the fight game. Do you think we see him come out with a little bit of a quicker start this time around? Because that's one thing about Max is he's a little bit of a slow starter. But once you get into rounds three, four and five, things really start to pick up. And you saw it in the Volkanovski fight rounds four and five. I think at least two of the judges scored both of those rounds for Max. The other one scored at 50 to 45. So do you think it's important for Max to, to come out hot and, and get that respect right away? Yeah, I mean, not come out crazy or reckless, you know, and I'm sure that's not what you mean. You mean just be more assertive, and I, I do think so. I think he's got to tag him early and let him know, you know, you took my belt, I want it back. He's got to get get in his face and land those combos and maybe mix up more of his own uh, striking attack, use more of his own kicks in this 
fight and get him worried about the leg kicks because Volkanovski, that's what he really started scoring with was these leg kicks and dipping in. So I'm sure Max is going to look for a lot of that when he level changes these guys like to dip their heads, the shorter fighters at 45 and throw over the top. And that's what Max is getting caught a lot with. So I'm sure he'll make a lot of those adjustments. And yeah, I do expect him to come out and be um, just have a little more pressure. Hopefully, in the fight that fascinates you the most, we'll have a new Bantamweight champion on July 11. Piotr Jan takes on Jose Aldo, and you know you, you sort of touched on it. People can complain about meritocracy all they want, and Aldo getting a title shot coming off of two losses, doesn't have a win in the division. But man, when you look at it on paper, purely from a martial arts perspective, this is a really good fight to crown a champion, one of the deepest divisions in the UFC. And I spoke to Piotr Jan a couple weeks ago. He's starting to learn English. I think we got through like three questions where he was speaking fluent English, understood what was going on, and I think that's huge for him. When you look at the matchup on paper from a stylistic perspective, what really sticks out to you here? Hmm. I I think, you know, lately we've seen Jose like to box, right? He's kind of gotten away from his leg kick game and, uh, you know, his knees. It's really just been his hands that have, have been impressive. And, and Piotr Jan's got such a good boxing background and such good hands. I, I'm curious to really see how Jan can deal with somebody that's as experienced in the striking department like Jose Aldo, who's just a phenomenal kickboxer and has really invested a lot of time into working on his hands recently. So, I, I mean, I just can't wait to see them exchange. That first flurry of punches is going to be insane because, man, Jose likes to take these young guys and teach them a lesson sometimes. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought he won the Marais fight. Um, the uh, Who's the other Brazilian he knocked out? With, he hit him with the body first. And he also did it to Jeremy Stevens. So I'm curious to see where the boxing plays out in this matchup. Any other fights you have circled on this card that you just are jacked about that you can't wait to see how it plays out? I have to look at the card, man. There's so many fights in my head right now because <laughs> right. they, <laughs> they all kind of blend into uh, to four cards for me right now. You know, I'm kind of right. looking all at once. Um, yeah, I'd have to look at that card. I, I Those top three. There was one fight on there, though. That Who's the other two fights on the main card? It's um, Andrade versus Nama Yunus 2, and then Amanda Hebas and Paige Vincent. <laughs> That's another one. We don't even have to look at the prelims. You could look right at that one. I mean, for Nama Yunus to come back and, and have that confidence, and hopefully you know everything is squared away, and she's, she's feeling confident to make this trip to Abu Dhabi and get the job done, because she was looking really good. And then obviously when you get slammed on your head, that, that's a game changer, right? So where is she at mentally to deal with that? I, I love that fight. I can't wait to see that one as well. We'll touch on a couple of the other fights on, on the upcoming cards. July 15th, I like that card too. You got Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige headlining. Frankie Edgar makes his Bantamweight debut. He's looking all sorts of shredded. You can iron a shirt on his stomach right now ahead of his fight with Pedro Munoz. But the Cater versus Ige booking caught a lot of people by surprise. Like Cater had that emphatic finish over Jeremy Stevens. He's in the title mix at 145. That division is crazy right now. And Ige had a tough fight and a win against a former opponent of yours, Edson Barboza. And a lot of people thought Edson actually won that fight. But here we are, five rounds on Fight Island between Cater and Ige. What do you think of this one? I am a mega fan of both of these guys. I, and I really, really am. You can ask them. I've always done, given them nothing but praise. Uh, cater his hands, man. I, I love watching this kid strike. You know, there's certain guys that I pick out that I think, cause you know, I'm more of a striker myself and he's a guy that I, it's just pretty. His technique is pretty. He's so calm in the pocket in that elbow that he landed against Stevens was so just smooth. He's getting punched in the face as he lands that counter elbow. 
And I like that he wants to stay busy. He's a young guy. He's talented. Just racking up wins is just going to push, you know, the reasoning for you to get a title shot after a win over Dan Ige. And Dan Ige, I love watching this guy fight. You know, we share the same management in, in Sucker Punch. And, you know, so we've hung out with each other. We've been around each other. And just his mentality, man, he's that quiet storm that comes into the room. And he doesn't say a word, but you can read the intensity off of Dan Ige without him saying anything. Love that guy. And I think he's he wants to steal that spot. This is a huge opportunity, really, for Dan Ige to come in after that war that he had with Etzin and to be able to get Calvin Cater next. It's I love that main event. Yeah, I spoke to Cater, and he said, uh, you know, he feels like all the pressure's on him heading into this fight, but he loves that. He's very excited about carrying that extra weight on his shoulders. And when we move ahead to the 18th, because I think this fight on Fight Island is flying under the radar more than probably any other fight on the island, the fourth title fight for the flyweight title, we get uh, Davidson Figueiredo versus Joseph Benavides part two. Hopefully Figueiredo can figure out the weight cut, get to 125, but not a lot of people are back in Benavides here based on how the first fight played out. Not a lot of people talking about this fight, Paul, but it's very fascinating, is it not? Yeah, and there was some controversy there. You know, there was a headbutt and a cut that really distracted Joe and took him off his game. And I'm not saying that things would have gone necessarily differently. I don't know, but we don't know. And I'm glad that this is getting rebooked and this is going to happen. And uh, like you said, hopefully now Figueiredo can go sit out in that sun for the whole time out in Abu Dhabi and get that weight off and we have a title fight. Uh, Yeah, I love this matchup. Joe Benavidez is another guy, man, that anytime he's on a card and I get to call it or I get to watch him fight, he's such a good martial artist. You know, he... He's got powerful punches. His scrambles are absolutely disgusting. You know, you can never hold that guy down more than a second. He's got a beautiful guillotine. And uh, Figueiredo is just a, a powerhouse and a mean fighter at 125 pounds. So as long as he makes that 125, man, I think this is one of them sleeper fights, right? Even though it's a title fight, I, like, <laughs> right. floating under the radar. But I think come fight week, that could be the one that really steals the show. If these guys go into that third, fourth, and fifth round, the way that they swing, the way that they scramble, it'll be nonstop. Yeah, I think and Gaslam Hermanson's on that card too. But I, th- I think Ju- I think that's a crazy fight too. I think July twenty fifth is the most like Fight Island card possible because we have Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till. Darren Till is like a social media superhero right now. We get Little Nogs final fight of his career against Shogun Hua. Alexander Gustafson is moving up to heavyweight to fight Fabricio Verdum. Like this card, like is the antithesis of Fight Island. It screams twenty twenty in the UFC, does yeah. it not? Legends, legends on that card, and they're meeting on a beach to battle it out Kumite style, man. I, I feel like we should all be walking around like blood sport in there. I'm going to be doing Van Damme splits out on the beach with my headband on and throwing <laughs> dust. I'm going to be throwing dust in people's eyes just to make sure they're on their toes. Yeah, that fight is, I mean, Darren Till, I love that guy. I, he's hilarious. He's promoting himself. He's funny. And the boy can fight. And I love him at 185 pounds. But Whitaker, man, you want to talk about not only a, a, a stud human being and just I'm, I'm glad to see him get back in there. And this fight, Darren's going to bring it to him. So he's not going to have to find him. So that main event's going to be I don't know how long it's going to last, but it's going to be bananas. I'm very excited for all of these cards. July 11th, we have UFC 251. Then we got the 15th, the 18th, and the 25th. And the Irish Dragon across the monitor for me is going to be calling all four of these fight cards with a freshly cut hairdo looking like a million bucks. So, Paul, I'm thank gonna, you very much for the time, man. This is uh, this is great stuff. What were you saying? I'm not even going to look fresh by, by July 11th, though. So I, 
maybe I can get somebody uh, on the crew to to do their best haircut uh, imitation when we get there. Well, hopefully, I mean, you got ten miles of area. I'm sure somebody around that that private yep. area will be able to to cut Gotta some hair for you. I bet they can trim my beard up real nice over there. Those guys know <laughs> beards, right? There you go, Paul. I appreciate the time, man. It's you know all the best to you. Safe travels. Really looking forward to getting your perspective on all these big fights coming up on Fight Island, man. No, thank you, man. Thanks for your patience. Sorry that uh, I was driving in a car when we first attempted this. Ah, that's all good. I would I would have waited another hour for you, Paul, for being honest here. <laughs> Thanks, man. Take care. All right, buddy. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.